Warning, this episode may contain explicit language and spoilers for the entirety of the Reordenverse. Welcome back, guys. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Welcome to episode 20. Everybody hates the dangerous zombies I grew. Welcome back to episode 20. We are covering chapters 7 to 9 of the Titans yep. Curse Which today. means it's season 3, episode 3. Uh, yes. Triple 3. Hello. This is going to be a good episode. Triple? I just... Yeah. <laughs> season 3, um, third episode, third book. Triple 3. There you go. Uh, I love these three chapters. I think they're so much fun. Yeah. I... You got a lot of notes. I do have a lot of notes. I've got a lot of things. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things we've already talked about in previous episodes, and so they sort of re-mention things, so we don't have to go into those, but there's some new stuff that's just really fun that we can touch on today, which is awesome. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> It'll make sense once I, once, yeah, we get into it. Obviously, so, yeah. Chapter, do you want to get right into it, Joe? Okay, so we're going to do another improv recap of chapter seven. Let's see. They so the chapter is called Everybody Hates Me But the Horse. Yeah, and the chapter starts out with that noise that you hear in the background is someone uh, somebody deciding to whippersnip their edges. So. Right as we're starting to record. Right in front of my salad. <laughs> what a dick move. I know, right? Alright, so hilariously, the chapter starts off with Percy and Grover hauling the oracle back up into its house, <laughs> into the attic, and just, yeah. you know, leaving it there and then uh we go down to so at the moment talia's giving percy the silent treatment like a really good 13 year old that she is yeah guys she's 15 nearly 16 anyway don't forget that important fact guys she's 16 next week (laughs) yep and so they're having a council about who are going to be the five people that go on this quest because it has to be hunters and campers even and though so, Zoe's very much like, no, we don't need campers. Yeah, she's everyone's like, like, be dumb. She's like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, we'll get into it more, but they basically decide on everybody but Percy, and Percy's butt heard about it. He's like, oh, hang on, I'm not on that list. (laughs) He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm cool with everyone who's going. And then he's like, wait, we've reached five and I haven't been mentioned yet. Hang on! (laughs) He's like, wait a second. Anyway, all right, so then after he throws a tantrum about that, he has a dream. That sounds like he had a dirty dream. No, he didn't. He just had a regular dream. He called his mum and his mum was on a date. (gasps) What? Don't say that. Sorry, she's sorry. It was her study (sighs) partner. Sally is flustered. So then Percy goes and has a dream, and this time it involves Artemis as well as Annabeth, and it's that Artemis goes and saves Annabeth from being crushed under the big rock. I'm doing air quotes for big rock, because we don't know what it is yet. It's the Anyway, Artemis goes and saves the young maiden because, hello, that's what's everything that she stands for and that's what she does. Yeah. Yeah, and then so, and Luke says this is all part of the plan and then the general wants to kill Annabeth and then Luke goes, no, 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 wait, 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 we can, we can figure out something, something else to do with her and the general's like, uh, okay, I guess, but you know what, if you can't figure out anything in the next week, she's gonna be dead and Luke's like, okay, <laughs> So obviously, I mean, I so little hint into there that uh, Luke doesn't want Annabeth to die, and we're like, hmm, why? All of a sudden now, hmm. Anyway, and then Percy wakes up, and yeah, yeah, Percy wakes up because 
because there's big banging noises coming from somewhere in his room and then he finds out it's someone thumping on the door, opens the door and finds Blackjack there, his wonderful black pegasus. Yeah. Anyway, asking best. him for a favour and it just ends with Percy agreeing to help out. Yeah. That's the chapter recap. A lot of exposition, a lot, not a lot of actual like it's a lot of background story stuff that's happening yeah rather a lot, than a lot of waffling rather than your your full action and because the next chapter starts off with action kind of kind action. of but yes like you noted when you first started that recap my first note was about them hauling the mummy back to or the oracle back to the attic <laughs> and i just wrote that that would be a really funny like cut to scene in the tv show if they're in the middle of a really big battle and they just cut to them going Dump, 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 trying to get it off up the stairs into the yeah. attic. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny, I think. Yeah, like you go from like maybe Chiron and Zoe sharing a really intense, you know, conversation and like intense gaze and all this serious music, and then yeah, cut to dump, dump, off like off screen. Shit, pick her up. <laughs> like you, like you just off screen. You hear in the background. Dump, dump. <laughs> you hit her head. Is she okay? Did you crack anything? And then, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't even look at her before, so I don't really know what she. What yeah. This is the before photo. <laughs> no, no. This was. She's always been like this. Well, then after that, we get into because Percy and Grover are having their little moment, and they start talking about it. Um, why Grover wants to go on the quest. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. And it's because he is still looking for Pan, and Percy is half of Percy's like you won't focus on Annabeth, and the other half is oh yeah, you're looking for Pan. <laughs> and then so half of Grover is oh yeah, I should be looking for Annabeth, and the other half is Pan. <laughs> yeah. But like so, he says that he's hoping that Grover says that he's hoping that with the great stirring that's happening that Pan is going to rise again. And I'm like, well, the thing about the great stirring is that it's bringing back monsters that people haven't thought about in Eon, whereas every satyr ever has been focused on Pan this whole time. So how could Pan ever have faded when he's got all of this race of beings still believing in him? He can't. That's why. And that's why the satyrs are like, of course he hasn't faded. We believe in him. Yeah. But it, it just makes sense to me that Grover's thinking about it in this way. That he's like, well, now he has to, like, you know, he must be coming back because of the great stirring. And it's like, well, no, he never left. Yeah. So. I mean, you guys are kind of, like, poking him, but he's like, stop <laughs> hanging on by a thread because the satyrs are, like, you know, keeping him alive. But then we... <laughs> Talia comes to interrupt them. He just is the most childish oh, so person. Oh, I'm not talking to Percy. Can you tell him to get his butt downstairs, please? We're having a war meeting. And then Percy's like, why? And Talia's just fully turns to Grover and go, did he say something? <laughs> did you hear something? You're like, what is that noise? I love it so much. And Percy's just like, you're a literal child. Like, like, he's he's like, and I'm the immature one yeah. in this freaking situation. Literally. God. Yeah. I also, like, my first note here is that when they actually get into the rec room and they're sorting out plants and stuff, is that Zoe's throwing shade at the gods. Hell yeah. <laughs> so Dionysus is just sitting there like, excuse me, she goes, are you suggesting that the gods have trouble acting together, young lady? Dionysus asks, yes, Lord Dionysus, Mr. D. Just checking. You're right, of course. Carry on. But yes, it is quite funny that Dionysus is like, all right, checkmate, carry on. <laughs> He's fully like, I, I wasn't about to contradict you. He's <laughs> making sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> Even before that, though, when Percy, you know, 
mentions who's in the room with them. The only hunter that's in the room with Zoe is Mianka. And Mianka? Okay, see, this is the thing. Do you think that Zoe, who's been around for centuries... Eons. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that she... Knows. That she can sense that Bianca has big three power? Or do you think that she's just trying to make sure that Bianca feels wanted within her new group slash family slash career? Uh, I'm sure that she would, you know, make her feel wanted. So that, but yeah, I think she's getting special treatment because Zoe's like... <laughs> yeah, she's I feel like, like I know what you are, and I can like I can feel it. Because otherwise, I just that. can't. I can't justify Zoe's reasoning for bringing Absolutely Bianca on the quest. She says like she gives her reasons in this. Just like you know, to prove here. yourself, and it's yeah, like, she's like this no. would be the greatest. You know, first pick for you, and it's like, well, no, this is a really important quest to rescue your, uh, you know, your leader and your namesake and your, you know, all of this, this, this. It's a super important quest. You don't put the person who's been on the job for less than a day. Less than 24 hours. Into <laughs> that role, unless you have a bigger plan for them, you know? I don't think it's even think she's been in the role for 12 hours. <laughs> no, because it's, it's getting towards oh, no, it the next time now. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it's getting dormant. But it's like a day. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. But so then as they're talking about who is going on the quest, the Stoll brothers immediately are just like, yeah, you guys. They're like fully, they're not going. They're like, but then as soon as Phoebe's mentioned, I love that they're trying to like, just make sure that that's who they're talking about because they obviously have plans to prank her in a sec. Now, I haven't read this book in a while, so I had forgotten, I didn't forget about the prank, but I forget about, I forgot about who staged the prank. Right. Aphrodite staged a prank. Really? Yes, so that Percy would end up on the quest. Yeah, it was literally so. We know that. Uh, I you know, always thought it was the Stoll Brothers. Because obviously they made it seem like it, it was the brothers. Yeah, well, she gave them the shirt. Right. And then, you know, they were like, oh, oh prank time. <laughs> it's basically what happened. Yeah. So. Well, they were like, sorry, just when they were confirming, they were like, the chicken who put arrows in my helmet and, like, shot at yeah. me to kill me? Would you well, I don't want to give it to the wrong person. Centaur was pretty, pretty hectic yeah. in this instance. Not in Greek history, but... Yeah. yeah. Laced a t-shirt with a poisonous centaur blood and then gave it to... <laughs> but I'll get into that later, because I've got some things to say, what? which you'll probably get outraged at, but that's fine. <gasps> I'm anticipating it, so... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. That's I'm... in That's in the next chapter, so... Hold your horses. But they're discussing it now. Why aren't we just... No, no, they, but they haven't... It hasn't happened yet. They're only oh. making sure who Phoebe is. Okay. okay. So, yeah, then we get to, okay, you know, okay, okay, who's okay. ended up on the quest, and then Percy's like, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five. five. I'm not, I'm, one of those isn't is me. I'm not one of five. What's going on? I've yeah. been on a quest every year that I've been here. Of course I'm going to be on this quest, And right? literally everyone was just like, Percy, this is a quest for Artemis. He's like, Annabeth, Yes. Right, got it. <laughs> yeah, so he's left out. And then the bit where Chiron's then trying to console Percy after, and Chiron says, look, if it wasn't for that one line in the prophecy, I would have volunteered to go on the quest. Dude, you're not allowed. You're not a camper. <laughs> See, yes. I just got really heavy Zuko vibes from Legend of Korra when he wanted to go with, with oh, yeah. the Avatar squad. You know, whatever they're called. He wanted to go yeah. with them. 
I don't remember exactly what happens in that episode. He doesn't go with them for very long. He does doesn't he? go with, with them, them at all. all. No, yeah, because he's just the old man. He and just everyone's meets like, them. Everyone's like, no, 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 you're not coming. <laughs> he, he just gives them advice and he says, if you ever need by, uh, more advice, I'm, you can always talk to me. So I guess the Avatar's closest friend. He's like, you can always talk to his wife. You grew up in the same tribe as her. <laughs> Go and chat with freaking Katara. She knows. She grew up in the same tribe. They're both from the South. But didn't she grow up in the White Lotus training facility? Which is in the South. I thought it was like a different part. No, Katara was her healing teacher. Oh. Maybe she just took day trips. You don't know. <laughs> Either way, she had time to connect with Katara, who was the most, the absolute, the yeah, most connected to Yeah, you have to, to you have to have all of the, the OGs vibes. make a cameo in the second series. That's how it works. Oh, no, I absolutely stand the cameos. I just mean, don't claim that you are the most connected. It's like, you wish, jellyfish. No way. <laughs> but regarding that, when he was saying that, um, yeah, someone will be killed by perish by a parent's hand. I literally just have a tag here that's like, I wonder if maybe, where Percy's just like, if there were ever any half-bloods who needed to worry about that, it would be Talia and me. I wondered if maybe I should have said Poseidon that seashell pattern type for Father's Day after all. For starters, I just had the kind of few, like, like, I had a little thought pattern while I was reading that where, where I was like, Aw, he thought about getting a present for, you know, Poseidon for Father's Day. And I was like, and he found this really cute seashell tie. And then he decided, no, fuck Poseidon. He's not getting a tie from me. Just thought it was really funny. (laughs) That, uh, even though he did find something, he consciously decided, no, Poseidon, you don't get a Father's Day present because you don't count because you didn't show up for any of my birthdays. So yeah, then Percy calls his mum and she basically is like, um, no, you have to go after your girlfriend because... Sally's obviously her like, best shipper number go one. Fucking get, she's like, that's my daughter-in-law. Excuse you, go get her. I refuse. She's like, I've met her, I approve, I refuse to have to do it again. So Percy's, Percy's? <laughs> Percy Annabeth, that's the one. Go and get her. Yeah. And then, so after that, I mean, you covered most of it in the recap because there's not a lot to talk about in this chapter. Well, I did have an... I had a couple tags, mainly, mostly okay. just moments, sort of like, yeah. So, my next moment is in here, is in the middle of the dream that he's So, having. the dream itself is Annabeth's struggling under the weight, and Luke is in the background, the voice of the someone, aka the general's in the background, General. and then Artemis is shoved into the light, wrapped in chains, and the general's like, you could save her, you just... You know, you have to give up everything that you believe in <laughs> to... Or not everything that you believe in. You have to give up your free will and you know that we're going to trap you under there. You really don't have a choice. And she's like, cut the ties on my hands. I'm going to take the weight to save the maiden, obviously, because they saw it coming and that she's very predictable. And Because so that's she, her job. Her job yeah. is to save maidens. <laughs> yeah, literally. And so she does that. And then Annabeth is close to dying. And then the general's like... Uh, kill the wench and Luke's like mm, no she's probably still like a little bit important maybe and then it ends yeah okay so within that I had a tag in here and it was really cute and I went oh my goodness okay. because this is the first time Percy's properly mentioned like it hurt my heart he was like my my heart was hurting because she was hurting and it's adorable because it says here the goddess looked at Annabeth and her expression changed to, to concern and outrage. How dare you torture a maiden like this? She will die soon, Luke said. You can save her. 
Anameth made a weak sound of protest. My heart felt like it was being twisted into a knot. I wanted to run to her, but I couldn't move. Percy! See, Percy's saying that, and you know that Anameth's also protesting because she knows what it means for a goddess to be trapped. Mm. And it also probably is hitting her even a little bit harder because she was considering joining, so, like, joining the hunters. So Artemis would have been her protector goddess and her reason for existing yeah so she's probably got some of those lingering feelings as well and her hatred towards luke in this moment because she's like you fucking trapped me you asshole she's like I mean, i'm dying on, you know, hanging up, just holding up the sky so she's protesting at artemis taking it she's like no i can and her hubris as well she's like no i can handle it mm. and artemis is like fucking idiot no you can't <laughs> she was like no babe i got you and percy's like Whereas thank god artemis, rescue my darling for artemis it'd be painful but it'd be eternally painful because she mm. won't kill her. No. Because she will survive. Won't kill her to hold up the sky from the earth so that they can't meet. Right, and then we get to Percy waking up to Blackjack banging down on the door and he can hear everything that Blackjack is saying. Annoyed because they say Blackjack's a him here, which is a bit frustrating, but, you know, it is what it is. But also, it is what it is. Percy saying that because of his dad, he can understand horses. Did you know where the actual connection between Poseidon and horses is? Yeah, he created the horse yeah, out of sea foam for yeah, a race but, um, with a chariot, and he and Athena worked together. No, 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 but do you know why the Greeks associated that with him in the first place? Not in the first place, no. So it's because, you know how when a wave comes crashing down onto the sand and there's the white sea foam, sea foam at the top, yeah. when it comes down crashing, if you put that in if you look on like a side view and watching it go this way watching the bits of water go ahead of other bits it looks like uh, a herd of horses racing onto like if you've seen like game of thrones or like whatever or narnia you know bunches of horses racing down a hill yeah i've seen that's like the crashing of a wave but yeah so that crashing of the wave is called the white horse or white horses because it looks like literally horses galloping towards the shore which is also probably why in frozen makes a horse out of the you know the, the infrared too yeah so, huh fun stuff yeah so that's the reason right that the greeks then went oh well he must have created horses i so. have also been so confused about why poseidon is an earth shaker because the shifting of tectonic plates under the water is what causes earthquakes too okay Sure, I mean, but like... And under the earth, like, it's all just... Yeah, but that's... Where they connect. That's still earth, he's just the middle ground. He's just the fatty tissue in between the skin and the bone. I mean, he's not actually... See, but okay, if you think about it this way... So why is he the earth shaker? Because if you think about it this way, Hades is the god of the underworld, Uh Poseidon's the god of the overworld, and Zeus is the god of the sky. So three layers. So if you're including Poseidon as the god of the overworld, then it's the sea and the land. So he gets everything. Yes. Oh, Which yeah, is why Poseidon. he was also uh, credited as husband of the earth, because the water takes up most of the earth, and also the water has to meet the earth to have a boundary, yeah, yeah. that's why. So. Aww, look at you, Poseidon. You win. You're amazing at everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because when you think about it, there's not much you can do with sky. <laughs> Except rain down hatred on everyone <laughs> and oppression. But if we're staying within the limits of the atmosphere, there's literally just clouds up there. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, and then we get uh, Blashak making a very good point because 
Percy's like, why aren't you in the stables? And then Blackjack's like, do you see Chiron in the stables? Chiron's a really intelligent, you know, creature. Mm. And in, granted, he's camp activities director. But mm-hmm. you're sticking creatures that, by all intents and purposes, as we see here, also have great intelligence. It's just that no one can understand them and you're sticking them in stables. Like, wouldn't you then... Wouldn't Percy then translate and be like, okay, well, we need to fix your living quarters if you hate where you live. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't good for anyone. That's like, um, you know how in Harry Potter they didn't know how to class centaurs as beasts or as men or, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Half especially breeds. in Yeah, especially in uh, Fantastic Beasts. And it was like when they were, the ministry was making groups for their... Magical creatures. Yeah, like how to classify magical creatures. Yeah. And it was like, if they were part man, then they had to be considered with the same intelligence as wizards and muggles. But if they had more than two legs, then they had to be considered with this, this, and this. And it was like centaurs were their outlying, you know, and so eventually they just let the centaurs choose which group they wanted to be in. And the centaurs were like, we're not a part of this. <laughs> yeah. They were like, we don't conform to your society because we are a society of our own and we have different yeah. beliefs. Yeah. And also because, like, wizards considered those kinds of beasts savages. Yes, because they're because horrible the people. wizards are the savages, but, you know. Because wizards are terrible. People are terrible. We are disease. <laughs> but it's just like, the same concept could apply here. If you've got animals or creatures that could be understood by some of the humans or the demigods or whatever, then shouldn't you be asking them how they want to live and how, like, where they fit into your scale of... Give them a cabin <laughs> instead of a stable. <laughs> this is the Pegasus cabin. Well, technically... Because technically they shouldn't get more than what the people are. They just should be equal. They'd be like... So it'd be like, what type do you want to live? They'd be like, we want to live in a mansion. would be like, well, <laughs> okay, we only have budget. cabins, so <laughs> you'll have... Mantra. So you'll get a cabin with a bunk. If you can get the original Pegasus to come down here and build everything, then sure. Like, are they going to sponsor us? <laughs> but that's basically where the chapter ends is Blackjack taking Percy off into, you know, riding off the into sunset? the distance going, there's a creature that needs your help. The sunrise. Like, sorry. Sunrise. Like, Fuck, well, I got her. Okay. Sorry. And that's basically the end of chapter seven. So, do you want to get into chapter eight? I make a dangerous promise. He makes a danger, dangerous promise. This one's he a pretty does. short chapter. Um, it, there's really, you boil it down to two things happen. Percy gets dropped off in the ocean by Blackjack to yeah. help the hippocampus, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, the hippocampi uh, rescue a water creature, which happens to be Bessie, the, the, cow, sea, serpent. the cow serpent, yeah. which means she's literally, her front half is a calf, like a cow calf. Yeah. And her back end is a serpent. Yeah. So it's just like a fish tail. Yeah. Anyway, she's really cute. Um, <laughs> so Percy spends an hour down there freeing her from... Because she got stuck in some loose netting. And he goes on a small rant about ocean life and how people are polluting. And he doesn't... Hates that. Anyway. So he goes on that little rant. And then once he's done, he says, Ta-ta to Bessie and the hippocampi. Yeah. Oh, ta-ta. I thought you said it says to ta And I was like, who the fuck's ta no, He says, as in ta-ta, as in bye bye like, bye yes. <laughs> okay. So he says, bye-bye. And then she rockets back up, is caught mid-air by Blackjack, which just, I just was picturing that in my head. And I was like, how smooth is Black? Has he just been, like, hovering well, there? Yeah, I was also <laughs> thinking about that. Blackjack has to have the best reflexes, because they were just yeah. literally... Percy was down there for over an hour. And he's just and so with the current in the, same, been in the spot. same spot. Yeah. So it's like, oh well he was yeah. because he was at the bottom. But Blackjack 
basically had to be ready to go whenever Percy was going to yeah, shoot up. So he was just on alert for an hour or more. Speed. I mean, sorry, he probably should be because, hello, he's the one who went and got Percy. That's the least he could do. Is be and also, it's not like back. he could, well, it's not like Blackjack could stop flying and just, like, have a rest on the top of the wall. He's not a seagull. No. Like, like he, he's got a, just because he's got wings doesn't mean he's not going to sink if he gets in the water. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that horses can swim, but yeah. it's mostly where they can reach the bottom. Yeah. You're not going to get very many horses that go past yeah. where their legs get yeah. wet. Here's another thing, though. Because when, when horses get up to their shoulders, they get really skittish in the water, oh, obviously, yeah. because then the obviously. water starts pushing against it, and they're like, I can't fucking walk! They're like, I'm a big, strong being, why am I being They're not about to hoof-kick, hoof-kick, like, <laughs> you know. Um, they're not built for that. <laughs> well, no, they're not about to hoof-kick like Diego in Ice Age. It's not about to happen. Claw! Kick! Yeah. Claw! Kick! No. No, cats can swim, horses can't. <laughs> Cats comparison. Oh right, because Diego's a saber tooth tiger. <laughs> I was thinking like a kitten cat, and I was like, "Fuck." Anyway, <laughs> this is um, why we don't take aid anywhere. I also just had like a small like voice in the back of my head that went, "How did he communicate? How did he communicate with Blackjack? Like, if he's up, is Blackjack just chilling down by the beach and?" That and the hippocampus came up to the water to come and see him. Also, how did they make that connection in the first place? Yeah, I was sad that he didn't mention that it was like Rainbow was one of the hippocampus because that would make sense. That would make sense, but it wasn't. It was just but like no, random ones. But Rainbow's chilling with Tyson down in Poseidon's palace. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but that's and that's nasty. that's what I mean. The hippocampus and our brave, maybe the naiads came up and were like, "Yeah, we know someone who'll help you." Probably. But then again, why wouldn't the naiads go and help? Yeah, it's just really it's sort of like well, yeah. okay. If three strong hippocampus can't do anything, Joe, do you really think the naiads can do anything? When they're basically water with a shape, they could instruct them. Oh wait, they can't communicate with them. Anyway, but just in general, in my brain just went, "How did that relationship start? How did it, how did it all end up?" Like, of course, once you get in the regular routine, it wouldn't seem so weird. But yeah. what was the spark that started it all? Was it just Percy one day decided to go out swimming out really far and he bumped into the hippocampus and they were like, oh, look, 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 it's, it's Ocean Boy. <laughs> and they were like, we need your help. And he's, Ocean like, Boy. he's like, all right, we've got nothing else to do. And then he saved a fish and he probably, for the, when he first saved a fish, he was like, yeah, I saved a fish. Or I saved a hippocampus. He was like super excited. He was like, call me if you need me. And they were like, okay. <laughs> they yeah. took that literally and he was like eh. but yeah then he does his hero jump out of the water and he's like catch me and Blackjack takes him <laughs> oh. back to back to camp oh yeah this he's like, a recap sorry because he's like it's so early they're gonna they're supposed to leave at dawn I need to see them before they go make yeah. sure there's not a last chance that I could get in on this quest <laughs> quest yeah and as he's coming back well, that's not his original plan. He's just sort of like, I'm, I'm out, out of care. Oh, his original plan is don't get eaten by the harpies. Yeah, he's like, that's that's the number one goal. Anyway, and as he's Good. coming back, he sees Nico spying on the hunters and then goes and he spies on Nico spying on the hunters and sees what's going on. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. finds out that one of the hunters who was planning on going uh, has been poisoned by centaur blood. Yay. Yeah. And, uh... Poor Phoebe. Yes. And then Zoe makes the decision to... Not to choose not, yeah. So what's that? What? There's an extra slot that's to be filled by another <gasps> person? What? Job interview? Let's go. Anyway. <laughs> you should have time for that, Joe. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Yeah, and so then they rush off, and Nico's about to run after them. Percy then takes the invisibility cap off that he had on, that he took with him from his cabin in the first place that I forgot to mention. <laughs> and he scares the absolute bejesus out of Nico, and goes, <laughs> stay! And Nico goes, okay, if you're going, look after my sister. And Percy's like, um, that's a lot of responsibility. I'm not sure if yeah. I can do it. And he goes like, do it! He promises to do his best. He doesn't promise to exactly yeah. keep her safe. But he says that he'll try his hardest. He like, which oh, is like, the only way he could have got around that, really. Like, it was his best option, but it's still a shit option. Yeah. He was like, well, he was like, obviously I'm going to try my hardest, but I can't guarantee that we'll all come back. In fact, we won't all come back. <laughs> we know this. Yeah, he's like, we definitely won't all come back, but I'll try my hardest for it not to be your sister. And Nico's like, okay. Yeah, he's trying to chase after them. He's thinking of plans of ways to get there, and Blackjack shows up. Ken's obviously, I can smell you! <laughs> like, he's still invisible. Yeah. But Blackjack's like, I know where you are, dude. I've been following you. <laughs> and he just lands, and I, I just... Get under your perch I literally I just have, like, a tag here, and it's just like... Blackjack, you're so sly because he's like being incognito. He lands next to Percy and just starts casually grazing, and then just turns to him and is just like, "If I was guessing, boss, I'd say it looks like you need a getaway horse. You interested?" <laughs> and Percy's like, "Fuck yeah, smart, noble steed." Anyway, and that's the end of chapter eight. Yeah. So it's really fun. The first thing you do go is obviously down to the ocean. We want to talk a little bit more about. Her name's not Bessie yet, but it's gonna be. Now, I feel no, like he I named can... her Bessie. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Right. So I feel like I can talk about what Bessie is because he calls her a cow serpent, and her yeah. name literally, word for word, means cow serpent. Well, so what she is is an Ophiotaurus. So Ophiotaurus. Ophio means serpent, basically, and Taurus means cow. Serpent cow. Yeah. So before we even get into I just had to drop in there what Bessie is. But before you even get into what Bessie is, we get name dropped a few. Just say she's really cute. <laughs> oh, my first note that I first wrote was for this chapter, uh, when Percy goes, I only speak horse. Shouldn't he understand all underwater creatures? Yeah, I mean, that's what happened in the last book. You know when he's in the bubble underwater with Annabeth? Okay, that is exactly her. the reference I was going to make. But the thing was, he didn't listen to them. He just, like, kind of got what they were curious about and then he yeah. said scram to them so they can probably understand him but like, maybe he can un- maybe he gets maybe he has the vibes yeah like the flow maybe it's like he just water, maybe it's like i see he's like i see expressions i don't, I don't hear words yeah so i was like oh, yeah help them lord sorry <laughs> i just also love when he's talking about them he's like shh they're not all that smart but <laughs> he's talking yeah. about the hippocampi well then <laughs> And then when he's with David Campy and he's trying to free Bessie, he just subconsciously calls her a girl. And then he makes an offhand comment that says, uh, all the powerful ones are girls. Oh no, he he thinks it's a girl. And then I said, well yeah, all of the powerful ones are always girls. Like, if we're talking about from, like, all sea monsters, powerful sea monsters, most of the time, they're women. So, like, you've got your Crybdis, you've got your Scylla, you've got the Gorgons, you've got the Fates, right. you've got the uh, The first one you said I was, like, not following. Crybdis. Yeah, you said to I heard Kerbis. I was like, <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is Kerbis? You've got, like, <laughs> Keto, 
literally yeah. most of your... She went, immediately my brain was like, keto. That's yeah. it. That's all I got. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. <laughs> most of your super powerful monsters come from the sea, and they're usually women. Do you think it's because the Greeks were afraid of the sea, and so they just, you know, using their stories to, life, to yeah. explain life, they just decided well, all the most terrifying things must come from the ocean, so therefore all the most terrifying monsters must be born of the sea. Yeah. Because you've got Typhon, who is born of the sea, basically kind of a sea god, and we get to know Typhon later. We already know that he's, you know, got a hundred dragon heads, and he's a kidness, a mortal husband, and he's the father of monsters and whatever. Yeah, yeah. We know that for him. I also came across, do you know in some myths he's actually Hera's adopted son? Really? Because he's technically a god, and she wanted a god that was more powerful than Zeus to use as leverage if she ever needed to. And then and she so, lost control. And she was also, like, in some myths, she basically commissioned Garen Tartarus to make Typhon, and then she was like, he's mine now. Weird. Yeah. And then he, you know, got his own personality, as children do. Yeah. And was like, and she's like, what, mom. you're not my little minion? What the hell? And then obviously we know, because Keto's also name-dropped, uh, we know Keto as the goddess of or the mother of all sea yeah. monsters. Poseidon's so. daughter. Yeah, yeah, she's she's pretty cool. And she, you know... A little neglected, but, you know... her brother about everything. All of them are. <laughs> yeah. So then we get into It's Bessie. a personality trait for every single one of them. Neglected. <laughs> so, Bessie herself, she, aside from Except being Apollo, the so. cutest thing ever, she's an Ophiotaurus. It was also, in Greek history, sometimes called a Stygian bull or uh, Taurus Ophus, so like just swapping the yeah. names, or a serpent bull. Wow. Well, they're all the same they're Really original names. Yeah. yeah. So basically just a monster born with the four parts of a cow or a bull and then the tail of a serpent. Yeah. Yeah. So basically there's only one passage in history that explains what Bessie is or what the Ophiotaurus is, and it's a passage from Ovid, who was Roman, so it didn't come out till even after all the Greek, you know, shit went down. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and so, what kind of area? I can read the passage. Time? I can read the passage word for word. It's not too confusing. So, and we, you already know most of it anyway. Okay. And so here we go. It says, Cronus was thrust from his realm by Zeus. Well, In thrusting. anger, he stirs the mighty Titans to arms and seeks the assistance owed by fate. There was a shocking monster born of Mother Earth, a bull, whose back half was a serpent. Roaring Styx, as an ally of Zeus, imprisoned it, warned by the three fates that in a bl- oh, she imprisoned it in a black grove with a triple wall. Not whoever fed the bull's guts to consuming flames was destined to defeat the eternal gods. Agen the Titan slays it with an adamantine axe and prepares to feed the flames its innards. Zeus commands the birds to grab them, and the kite brought them to him and reached the stars on merit. So basically, what that passage is saying is Bessie is the bane of the Olympus because it's prophesied that whoever spills her guts and burns them, it will overthrow Olympus and overthrow Zeus. So in the first Titan War, what happened was Aegon the Titan managed to slay Bessie and almost fed her guts to the flame, but Zeus sent depending on which one you read, a kite or an eagle to grab the entrails before he could put them in the flames and then the flew them back to... It's a kind of bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> My brain was like a kite on a string. Oh, no, it's like, like a falcon but smaller. Okay, never mind then. So, sent either a kite or an eagle to grab the entrails before he could burn them and then took them back to Olympus so that the gods wouldn't be overthrown. So, spoiler, that's the reason that Betsy's in this book 
and she's the Bane of Olympus, aka the monster that Artemis has been fighting. Which is really I cute. feel comfortable not fighting, searching. Searching for is what I meant. I feel comfortable letting go of this information here because we're literally halfway through the book and Oh my know, god. No surprises anyway. It's a We are that's we're a spoiler podcast. So oh god, that took them so long to get half to I just know. leave. They literally spent half the book at camp. Which is fine. Leave, we love camp. Leave camp. But yeah, so that's really fun, basically. See, and that's why when I was reading the next chapter afterwards, I was like, man, it's straight into action. I was like, bloody hell, usually there's some preamble of them, like, traveling or getting lost or traveling. Oh, there was, but Percy was by himself, so there wasn't really much to say. Yeah, true. So, yeah, that's. I also had a note here of just other suggestions for good cow names, other than Bessie. Yeah. Connie's a good one. Oh, Connie the cow! Connie's a good one. Daisy's also a good one. Of course. Yeah. Do you have any contributions here, Joe? What's a good name for a cow? Bella's a good one. Reginald. No. Reggie. She's a girl. Oh, just in general. Reggie. I'd name a cow Reggie. When it's a girl. Yeah, probably still. Or Regina. (laughs) Regina. Edwina. Doesn't really say. See, Edwina's a good name for a pig. It's not a good name for a cow, though. Yeah. They keep on keeping on. He frees Bessie, obviously, and then gets back to camp. As they're listening to everything that is going on with Zoe and... uh, Bianca and you know yeah and Phoebe so we get to know the fact that she's been poisoned with centaur blood now here's the fun part this is wrong (laughs) the reason this is wrong is because yes it's based on Hercules aka this whole book is based on Hercules we've finally gotten into Hercules Hercules. I'm gonna use Hercules Hercules I'm gonna because that's what they use they don't say Heracles, they say Hercules, Joe. Which is another thing. Rick, this is a Greek mythology book. Use the Greek name. But Hercules is more well-known. Yeah, and people will understand. They'll be like, hello, we were conquered by Romans, so we're not going to use their words, but no. So, the theme of this, this book is, is Hercules. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the hero's journey that this book is based on, as we have seen with the past two as well. We had Perseus, and then we had Jason and Odysseus. Now we've got... Hercules, which is super fun, arguably the most famous demigod that there ever was, and the most famous demigod that there ever was. Even now. And uh, yeah, he waited like, so long not... to get to them. And I understand why he did, because he wanted to do more obs- not obscure, but like lesser known yeah. demigods for the first few, which makes sense because it's stories that kids don't know, so you're drawing them in like it's new. And now we get to get into the fan service stuff of Oh, I've actually run out of demigods, so now I have to use the uber famous one, <laughs> which is yeah. So there's yeah. that. So yes, we're getting into part of Hercules' story here with this tactic of using a shirt poisoned with centaur blood because this is the story that you're going to get audibly frustrated with. They're going to freaking demonize Hades, aren't they? No. Okay. Well. So basically, Hercules married a woman named Daenerys. Yeah. And they'd been married for about three years. Yeah. And they were living in... They just been exiled. that's important for relationships. They'd just been exiled because he accidentally killed a boy. Accidentally. Accident? How yeah. the fuck does that work? I don't know. I didn't go into it. But he but accidentally I, killed a boy. So... You can't just breeze Hercules that. and Daenerys got exiled from the city they were in. So, so as they were traveling to wherever they're going to live next, they got to a river where Nessus, who was a... Thessalian centaur. He had fled his hometown when he was younger and decided to become the ferryman for this river. So basically, (laughs) he, because the river was deep and there was no crossing, he would act as the person that you could cross on. So you could ride on his back, get you across the river. Aww. Yes. Little. Now, 
Hercules decided, nah, I'm pretty strong, I'm going to go myself, but you can carry my wife. So Hercules went first, got to the edge, like back over to the other side, so obviously he was strong enough to get there, because he's son of Zeus. Right. So, spoiler guys, he's son of Zeus, so he could get all the way across the river. Then, Nessus picked up Daenerys and was carrying her on his back. About halfway across the river, goes, oh, this bitch is beautiful. Of course. And In decides, the middle of the river. Yes. And decides to rape her in the middle of the river. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> yes. I'm so mad. What is... Yeah. What is, he what, becomes what is, enraptured by her beauty and overcome with passion. Uh, and so attempts to rape her. Not just attempts, like, gets pretty far into it. I was... Yeah. Oh, but, She's obviously screaming out for help. Yeah. And then Hercules goes, oh, fuck. My wife's in danger. So he gets Dude. the arrows that he had laced with Hydra acid and Hydra blood yeah. when he killed the Linan Hydra yeah. in one of his 12 labours. Uh-huh. He's got those arrows, decides to shoot one across, and it nails Nessus in the heart pretty much straight away. Wife's still in the middle of the river. Yeah, she drowns. So, no, she doesn't drown. But not be pissed off. As the arrow goes into Nessus, depending, there are two stories that you could base this. Oh, scent of blood, obviously. Yes. So, when he's killed with the poison arrow, one story says that he then turns to Nera and gives her a vial of his blood. Where he had that, don't know. Right. He gives her a vial of his blood. He just whips it out of his ass. And tells her that it's a love charm. And to use it on Hercules, if he ever starts being unfaithful, he's going to be unfaithful. Spoiler. Because it's Hercules, he's a demigod in his own myth, you know. He's going to be unfaithful, he's the most famous of them all. Ancient Greece, come on. Yes. Other stories All we hear is about adultery and rape. Seriously. The other story is that it's not a vial of just his blood. It's actually a salve made from a combination of Nessus's ejaculation. Oh, from the rape. Great. As well as olive oil. Where he got the olive oil? I yeah. don't know. What? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna justify this in a second. And then drops of his blood from the arrow piercing his heart. I understand that, but so, where's the olive oil? <laughs> she took the arrow out of his heart, put it in a jar. Don't know where she got the jar. Yeah, where is as well jar? as collecting some of his semen, putting it in the jar. Whether she collected it from herself or from his actual penis, <laughs> don't know. And then somehow got across the river, and then only after that did she put olive oil in there herself. So it's all mixing in the jar together, and this is the same love charm that he said would keep Hercules faithful if he ever decided to stray away from her. So then, a few years... It's a beautiful story. Not a few years later, but later, they're back somewhere in a town, and Hercules basically says that he wants to perform a sacrifice. So he sends one of his lackeys over to Daenerys and says, can you please get ready my ceremonial shirt and robe? And Daenerys like, okay. But she's also seen that morning Hercules getting his flirt on with Lol. She sees that and goes, oh, here's my perfect chance to use my love charm to keep him faithful to me and get that fucking bitch out of out of the story because he's so faithful yeah. to me. So yeah, she... Guys, by the way, if you have to trick someone into being faithful to you, they don't, don't bother. Drop them yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. so God. she anoints the shirt on the inside with yeah. the mixture that she's got of the yeah, semen and the blood and the poison from the arrow that she doesn't know yet. Olive oil. And the olive oil. <laughs> That's the, the olive oil. Yeah. 
and then vital ingredient gives the shirt back to the lackey and the lackey takes it back to Hercules and then he puts it on only after so when he puts it on his strength starts to be taken away from him like literally draining from him by the second and as the toxic drugs you know start to work on his skin and basically because of his body heat the shirt starts to heat up and that's what makes it worse and then his it just attacks the flesh of his body which is really fun. So at the same time, Daenerys accidentally spills some of the potion, the love charm, onto the ground, and the ground starts smoking even though it's not even in the sun. And so she's like, fuck, that's not what I thought it was. That's poison or something. Because yeah, you trusted a Santa yeah. who tried to rape you. So she basically... successfully raped you, Yeah, idiot. She's, she's clued into that a little bit, and then she tries to send a messenger to warn Hercules, doesn't get there in time, and so it's too late, and by the time the messenger gets there and she gets there, he's lying on the ground, he's managed to build himself a pyre to die on, and then he lights the pyre on fire as he's dying, and then basically gets consumed in the fire and goes up to Olympus, where Zeus makes him into a god. Oh, so it's his death story. Yes, okay. it is his death story. Didn't realize so it was his death story. So, in this Because didn't instance, he have, like, two wives? Probably, and there's some before that. Um, but yeah, so in this instance, it is See, I thought this was his death scene, and it is the, I'm putting air quotations, centaur blood that has yeah. killed him. It's not actually the centaur blood that's killed him, it's the poison from the hydra. So, that's what, it's the hydra blood that's done it, not the centaur blood. Mm. And so then, she's, you know, absolutely horrified about what she's done, she's thinking it was a love charm, and so then yeah. she kills herself with a sword. Oh. Yeah. So this is the part where it's wrong, and where, like, it makes, it kind of makes sense that in this instance, for Phoebe, if, if we're getting back to the actual Percy Jackson story, yeah, yeah. for Phoebe it's not fatal because they've used central blood, which basically just gives her hives, instead of hydro blood, which would kill the bitch. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, you did. So, yeah, So, but the Stoles have gotten this shirt from Aphrodite <laughs> because Aphrodite wants Percy to be on the quest because she believes in tragic love stories and just knows that, you know, this is going to, yep, 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 you're looking at me with that face. Yes, exactly. That's the reason she's in the limousine later in the in the book is because she's she's orchestrating this whole thing, making sure that Annabeth's love life is spicy. That's basically the reason for the central block, which is really fun. Brilliant! Yeah. After we find out that Phoebe's been poisoned and won't be going with them, yada, yada, yada. we get back to that Bianca and Zoe are talking that Bianca mentions a dream that Zoe's had and says, if your suspicions are correct about the general, and Zoe cuts her off. Now, my same reasoning for mentioning the Ophiotaurus. I think that we're all right to mention the general now and who he actually is. Because yeah, he's Atlas. We don't need to leave that big reveal. No. We're spoiling the podcast, so we own that too. It's not really a big reveal. You put it together pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you actually like read the book, you're like... And you read about the crushing weight that someone can't just take from you. They have to take your place. Yeah. Hint, hint. It's the sky. <laughs> so, yeah. Atlas is the general. The reason he's called the general is because he was basically the leader of Cronus' army, aside from Cronus himself. Back in the first Titan War, he was, you know, the big bad in charge of everything, but still underneath the big, big bad, you know? Yeah. So, he was the son of two Titans, uh, Iapetus and Clymene. So, Iapetus, as we meet later, is good old friend Bob. Bob! Yeah. Who we meet later in Sword of Hades and then in House of Hades. So he's just he's the Hades. son of... Yes, he's the, Atlas is the son of Iapetus. Oh. Yeah. 
I hope his was the most gentle titan there was, yeah? I don't remember. After he was forced to bathe in the River Leaf, yeah. No, but they were still like... But even before that, they were like... Even before... Um, like, his titan brothers were like, you were the most merciful, forgiving, and gentle out of all of us. Probably. He, he wasn't that merciful, no. forgiving, and gentle. <laughs> I only stabbed just... you six times. Everyone else stabbed you eight times. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, I killed you, sure, but like, they tortured and killed you. Yeah. yeah. But so, <laughs> Atlas himself, he is one of the most well-known images in Greek mythology. That image of a man holding up, it's usually him holding up the earth, not holding up the sky, yeah. in the image, because what do you, you can't hold up the sky when you can't it's not a tangible thing. Yeah. So... At least not to us. Having an image of holding up the earth is, you know, easier to digest. Yeah. And that image only came later when we knew what the earth looked like. Yes. Yeah. But it's still one of the most recognisable. Like, if you showed that to people, then they're like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. And it's the reason why world maps are called atlases, because... Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Now, Atlas is. Oh, sorry. If people didn't know that, educate yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Atlas is pretty well entwined with Hercules' story because Atlas is the father of the Hesperides, and Hercules had to go to the Garden of the Hesperides to get the golden apples. Blah 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 blah. Basically, when Atlas was holding up the sky, it was his punishment for obviously being the general in Cronus's original army. The reason that he was instructed or punished to hold up the sky forever instead of going down to Tartarus with all the rest of the titans who were defeated is because Zeus needed someone who... To be an example? No, no, no. Well, yes, always. But he needed someone strong and could endure the punishment for as long as he could and it needed to be someone who had the strength to keep the sky and the earth from meeting, a.k.a. Tartarus and Gaia from meeting, even though Tartarus is the heart of world, not the sky. Yeah, but the reason, weird. that's why he had to hold the sky up, because if they met, it would basically mean war on everyone and everyone would die if Gaia and Tartarus were to meet again. Why is Tartarus the sky? I don't know, it's just what it is. So he was the one who had to hold them apart, basically, for his remaining of his life. Bloody he hell. was also Alright, so he's being a major cock block. Yeah, yeah. He was <laughs> literally <laughs> he's standing literally in the doorway, cannot <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he after he's had to hold up the sky, he became the personification of endurance itself. Because <laughs> he was literally there forever. Mm. Yeah, and he also after that became the god of astronomy and instructing people to use the stars and yeah, the constellations as, to, as a literally as a tool uh, to navigate and to measure the seasons. Yeah, and they were often combined because he becomes the god who turns heaven on its axis, causing the stars to revolve. Because you know when something gets heavy, you like start to shift it in different positions to make the load see if you can make the load easier, even though it's still the same weight no matter which way you hold it. Yeah, but you're using a different muscle. Uh, not always. Anyway, yes. But yes, that's the that's the reason that you've got the changing of... Constellations? Yes, like them moving in the sky is the world literally spinning on its axis because he's shifting the weight because it's too heavy for the little boy. I'd like to see you hold up the sky. So, yes, the reason that his story is so entwined with Hercules is because Hercules didn't actually go and steal the golden apples himself. Really? No. He basically went to Atlas. Oh, yes, that's right. And said, look, how about you go and get them, and I'll hold the sky while you go and get them. And Atlas, who was like, taking any chance not to hold the sky, was like, sure, mate, I'll do that for you. Off I go. So he went, and he also got the chance to slay 
the dragon. So depending on which myth you read, Hercules went and got the apples because he got to slay the dragon, and then sometimes it's Atlas got to go and get apples and he got to slay the dragon. And yeah. the dragon, Atlas slaying the dragon was like more satisfaction for Atlas because it was supposed to be like his greatest enemy that was like taunting him the whole time he was holding up the sky. <laughs> so I'm just imagining like them being on, this is like really cartoonish in my head, them being on two separate islands where they can still see each other and it's just the dragon curled around the tree with the golden apples, unreachable from Atlas holding up you know, the globe, and then the dragon just, like, calling out, like, you can do it! <laughs> that was going to fuck up. <laughs> I fucking hate you! It's just my imagination. <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining one of I'm those... I'm leaving you! <laughs> I'm imagining one of those cartoons where they, they don't talk. It's just, like, little, like, obviously blobby cartoon figures. Mm. Same sort of thing. Island is really far away, and the dragon's just, like, curled around the tree and it's just going... <laughs> <laughs> As Atlas is there, like, trying, like, like holding out the sky, but trying to reach out with one yeah. hand, and then trying to pull it, then trying to balance it on like maybe his legs or something, and reaching out trying to get the apple. Mm. And the dragons, yeah, just just continue going, <laughs> like a taunting man, like la la la. Yeah. But so basically because Hercules didn't know how he was going to get past the guards to steal the apples, like the guards and the dragons, yep. he was like, I'm going to get Atlas to help me because Prometheus told him to get Atlas's help. So yep. Hercules was like, shook. He was like, shook. He was like, dude, look, I'll hold this. You go and get my thing and then we'll swap. And Atlas was like, sure, I'm going to trap you there. So he went to get the apples and then comes back and goes, actually, you look really good holding that. Maybe I'll just deliver the apples to, you know, Eurystheus because he, he needs them. That's That's the end of the you know, this labor for you. And Hercules was like, shit. (laughs) So he had to try and figure out a way to trick Atlas back under the, uh, up under the sky. So basically what he said was, yep, sounds like a great plan. Uh, One quick thing. Do you want to just hold this for a sec and then I'll get a cushion for my shoulders and then I'll be good after that because there's no way I'm as strong as you. I'm going to need some extra help. And then Atlas went, sounds about right to me. So, yeah, I'll hold this, you get a cushion, go get a cushion, and then as soon as Atlas took back the sky, Hercules was like, thanks for the apples, bye. And Atlas was like, fuck. He was like, right, I just got oost, okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> that was not a smart move on his yeah. part. So, uh, other versions of the story say that instead of trapping Atlas back under the sky, he frees Atlas by holding the sky up on two Hercules. He makes two pillars, and they become known as the Pillars of Hercules, and they hold up the sky, so then Atlas is free of his punishment and free of his labour. It doesn't really say what the punishment for Hercules is for that. I'm guessing there isn't one, because he's Zeus' beloved son, so he could do no wrong. Yeah. You know, so Atlas is just roaming free... So I choose not to believe that one and just put the pillars of Hercules up for something else. Atlas was also uh, pretty intertwined with Perseus's story. Right. After Perseus, the original uh, mountain that Atlas had to stand on was to, you know how the land of the beyond the gods is to the north and that comes up in Son of Neptune. So the land that Atlas was on was to the west, which is why he's in the west in camp out in yeah. know, Percy Jackson because that's where he was in Greek mythology yeah. and it's, it's why Alaska in Son of Neptune is the north beyond the gods because that's yeah. just where it is you know geographically in North America so for Perseus's journey where the west was at that point was basically northern Africa which is why we get into it in the next chapter Atlas's description is that he's got dark skin and he's you know this 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 because it's supposed to be, he's supposed to be from northern Africa yeah and so because it's there, 
Perseus basically came across Atlas on his way back from killing Medusa and went, hey, I've been walking for ages, do you want to give me some shelter? But Atlas had got a prophecy from the fates that said someone would come and try to steal his own golden apples. So Atlas was like, um, I'm going to refuse you because, like, you might steal from me. And then Perseus got really offended and basically whipped out Medusa's head and was like, I'm going to turn you to stone and turned him to stone and turned him into what is now known as the Atlas Mountains in Northern Africa. Oh, so there's cool. an actual mountain range there that's called the Atlas Mountains. And it was because Perseus turned Atlas to stone. That's cool. Yeah, pretty fun. Yeah. And so that was um, outlined in Hesiod's uh, Theogony, which is super fun. So yeah, but he had, Atlas had a lot of children with a whole bunch of different women. But so basically he had um, seven daughters who were called the Pleiades and one of them was Maya, who was Hermes' mother. He also had a bunch of rain nymphs called the Hyades, and then he had a bunch of sea, or sometimes called sunset nymphs. So this is which just were, Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, with a bunch of, with, with different women, he had these children with. How? He's holding up the sky! Yeah, shit done. God. Or it was before that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the sea, or sometimes sunset nymphs, were the Hesperides. Yeah. Then he had one son whose name was Hyas. And then he also had one other daughter who was more powerful than everyone else because she was a wind kind of nymph goddess, which is Glypso. Right. Yeah. Fun time. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's all I have to say about him. And that's pretty much all I have to say about the rest of this chapter. Yeah. I mean, what else, what else happens in the chapter? Nothing. Nothing. They just leave. And Percy's like, I'm going to follow you. So yeah, that's the end of chapter eight. And we're going to get straight into chapter nine. I learn how to grow zombies. What happens? A lot. I'll preface with a I, fucking lot a happens. A lot happens. The amount of jump cuts in this chapter. There's so many. Like, this chapter's how long? Let's have a look. It's like good 20 pages. It is... It's only 16 pages long. Okay. But it feels <laughs> so much more packed. It feels like an eternity. <laughs> it's, so, it's just so much more... Like, so, so chapter 7, the first chapter we read, that was 22 pages long. That Yikes. chapter by itself. <laughs> And it really felt like you didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> it really didn't. And then, yeah. Whereas this chapter, you're like, oh my god, so much happened, you could break this into, like, yeah. two episodes Whereas just by itself. This chapter, chapter nine, it's like, holy god, okay, whoa. It's like, calm down. It's like, bloody hell. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Right, so we're going to hit you with the one-two. Come <laughs> on, I don't think I'm ready. No, so Percy decides to take up Blackjack's offer and he rides after them together. They follow them for a bit, basically just cruising up ahead, and then they stop on a rooftop just to reevaluate their situation and to consider where to go next. And sort of just, you know, trying to Google Maps this shit. Anyway, and then they get a visit from Dionysus on top of that rooftop, and he basically just says, do you really think you can leave camp without me knowing like you need permission to leave the premises and I'm an all-powerful mighty god you can't sneak past me um just by riding a horse anyway and so then they have a little chat and Dionysus goes into his backstory and into why he doesn't you know he's not the reason why he's not the number one fan of demigods which with the story that he tells is so hypocritical (laughs) and it's like are you, are you kidding me, Dionysus? It's like, all all the complaints you just made are the exact same things that 
you know, you and your brethren of gods and immortals have done. Like, seriously. <laughs> you shut the fuck up. Anyway. And so he eventually lets Percy go, uh, saying that, look, two people, like, one's gonna be lost and one's definitely going to die, so psh, let's hope it's you. And it's like, oh, that that's dark, alright. Alright, Dionysus, we'll just go with that, I guess. Anyway. So he lets them go. Percy. He doesn't say one's going to be you. It's, I hope one of them's you. Well, no, he says one's definitely going to die. Um, so one's going to be lost and one's going to perish at a parent's hand. I'm hoping it's you. <laughs> so Poseidon... Poseidon? Dionysus lets Percy go. Percy keeps on following the white van that all the kids are travelling in. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> so it's four kids travelling in a van and Zoe's driving. That's the van. have to make any strawberry deliveries though because it's literally winter and no strawberries will be growing. Yeah, so they're totally fine. Anyway. So Which begs the question, how does camp make any money in winter? <laughs> I realise there's like four people living at camp but still. They, they just live off their savings. And then they make an unexpected stop outside a museum, and Percy goes to eavesdrop on them to figure out their plans. They're trying to decipher where to go next. You know, because Grover did his tracking song, charm, windpipe, n- nature magic, or yeah. something. He did a tracking spell of some kind. magic. And But they're trying to figure out, do we follow Grover's magic or do we follow the prophecy which is just go west and so as they're squabbling about that and going into the museum Percy notices there's there's this black car that's been following this van for the past you know however many hours Percy has been also following it from the air and notices as the person gets out it's Dr. Thorne as in Dr. Thorne the Manticore (laughs) as in the one who, you know, dove with Annabeth off the side of the cliff outside of the military school so he's going, oh, if Dr. Thorne's alive surely Annabeth's alive, so that means my dreams were real, Annabeth's alive when have his dreams been fake? I know, right? it's like, dude, listen to your dreams okay, the only ones that I could maybe consider being fake are the ones from the very beginning of Lightning Thief when it's literally a horse versus an eagle it's like, yeah, I mean, but that could happen. <laughs> it could, but, you know, that's probably the fakest stuff we've got here. Jurassic Park could happen. <laughs> so, Percy makes a split decision. Instead of following his camp- the campers and hunters into the museum, he follows Dr. Thorne across the street where he finds Luke and the General and a bunch of other people. <laughs> I'm assuming, yeah, it's the General's army that are hanging around. Anyway, and they're discussing plans of getting rid of the hunters and the campers, but they need one of them in particular. I guess, can you guys guess who it is? Whose 16th birthday is coming up and will decide the fate of Olympus? Before we even get into that, though, can we just talk about how Lucy... Lucy? This is a recap, Kate. Percy's slogan for the entire book so far has just been, I should wait here for help. And then I didn't. (laughs) The monsters, soldiers, enemy of some kind that they're going to send after the campers and the hunters to go and destroy them is something that the general is going to cook up himself. He gets some teeth, he gets his minion to go get him some teeth from the museum, plants them in the ground and pours blood water over them to create these all entity, all scary, dangerous forces, and out of the ground pops a d- half a dozen servitude tigers. 
like baby kittens. Which like, I never revisited, like, and that'd be the cutest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just very funny because it's like someone fucked up, and he has these little baby things just like crawling around, and the general's like, "What the actual? What the fuck? What the fuck?" Anyway, so then he sends somebody else. You know that that tactic would work with literally any old teeth and whatever blood he's pouring over them, but still. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so then he sends somebody else to go get the right teeth that he wants, which is. A dinosaur's teeth, I'm pretty sure. Well, they were labelled as T-Rex teeth, but... Yeah. The humans just didn't realise that they were actually dragon teeth. Yeah. Right. And so they're put in the ground, and, again, blood poured over them, and out of the ground sprout these dangerous warriors who... Do they have a name? Is the name mentioned? The name's not mentioned, but they do have a name. They do have a name. The name's not mentioned. They're just seen as evil things with X-ray vision. They're called Spartoi. Spartoi. They're these unstoppable dead warriors. They have grey skin, yellow eyes, and x-ray vision. And they look kind of transparent, which is gross. They're just really scary looking. They don't have expressions. Of course they have faces, but they don't express, so it's like... They're zombies. Woo! Yeah, they're zombies, basically. They're warrior ninja zombies, and they're almost, almost unstoppable. And so, right as they're about to be given one of the hunter's scarves to go and track the scent of them, to go and murder them, Percy then decides to jump in, takes the scarf and runs out the door, but not before. Instead, they catch his sleeve and rip a piece off and start sniffing it. And so then, they're now locked on Percy's scent and they're going to go after him. End of chapter! Does not bode well for Percy when it's been prophesied that two, at least two campers will, or two people will die in this quest. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real bummer skit. Anyway, but what, what a dramatic ending to a chapter. It literally ends on him just narrowly making it out of the room that they're in, and out the door before the door slams shut. Mm. Yeah, but literally the last short sentence that is on there is, and then I ran. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't. I squeezed through the door just as the guard slammed it shut behind me, and then I ran. That's the last little bit. And so now you guys have to wait until next week for us to elaborate on that point. But, now, let's talk about this chapter. Before I talk about this chapter. Okay, before we talk about this chapter. You know how it's mentioned... I'm just going to put this little (laughs) nugget in here before I get to it. Oh, a nugget. You know how it's mentioned by the general that these warriors can't be killed by anything that these demigods or hunters would know about. Mm. The thing that can kill them is literally so dumb. <laughs> what can kill them? Fairy floss? <laughs> no. Frogs? No, it's funny. Falafel? We'll get elements. there. We'll get there when we get there, but it is quite funny. We'll get there when we get there! Yes. So, Percy is just pushing Blackjack to the absolute limits in this chapter. Yeah, how rude. But, on another note... Blackjack is just an absolute boss. Oh, <laughs> an ab- absolute boss. Absolutely. The energy from him, and then Frickin- when Mr. D gets there, the energy from Mr. D. Oh, so fantastic. good. Literally, my first note on here is, so yeah, them meeting up with Mr. D is one of the first, is like the first thing that happens in this chapter. <laughs> Literally. So they're standing on a roof, and then all of a sudden vines. The Chrysler building, yeah. Yeah, vines start, you know, curling around their limbs and basically anchoring them to the building. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Blackjack just goes, God alert! Blackjack yelled, it's the wine dude! <laughs> and Mr. D 
sighed in exasperation. The next person, or horse, to call me the wine dude will end up in a bottle of Merlot. <laughs> and I just thought, just the vibes that I got from, got from that um, was uh, the sort of energy of airhole, airhole, <laughs> which is bro, it's Chandler being when he's stuck in the box in, in Friends, Friends, yeah, in that Thanksgiving episode. Just same sort of vibes where it's like absolute panic and. <laughs> gonna die in that conversation with Mr. D though we do get a name drop of his wife aka Ariadne and we get her backstory for a little bit we already know we already know hers though because yeah. we talked about it when we were talking about the Minotaur sure I don't so, remember we were talking about it but well, sure mm-hmm. Ariadne is the daughter do, of just do a quick recap <laughs> she's the daughter of Minos and uh, Paspe yeah. and she's the one who helped Theseus get through the maze and slay the Minotaur and then he took her away from the island, promising her marriage and a life and a future and whatever, and then deserted her on an island to die. That's basically her story. And then Donus found her before she died and was like, well, I'm going to make you my wife, and then did. And it's like, all right. That's pretty much her story. There's not much more to it. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah, but primetime comment that Percy gives out is just like, (laughs) I stared at him. You're, you're married? But I thought you got in trouble for chasing a wood nymph. My point is, you heroes never change. So, just thought it was really funny that Donuts is, you know, have it pointed out in front of his face like, ADULTERY! ADULTERY! The reason you're stuck in camp is because you cheated on your wife. Sucked in. But just like, how ironic that Zeus is the one doling out that punishment, though. I know, what a wanker. Literally. We also get uh, a mention of Medea, who is our good friend from Sea of Monsters. Good friend, crazy slash crazy bitch. Woo! You know, our good old granddaughter of Helios, Enchantress, kind of, you know, just overall not a good person, a.k.a. Jason's love of his life. (laughs) It just just really puts into perspective his mental state, you know? But the reason that she's mentioned is because she has a lot to do with the Spartoy that we're going to get into in a sec. Yeah. Because she's got a lot to do with that story, which Mm -hmm. is just fun. And then Dionysus is talking about how heroes never change. You accuse us of being vain. You should look at yourselves. You take what you want, you do whoever you have to, and then you betray everyone around you. So you'll excuse me if I have no love for heroes. They're a selfish, ungrateful lot. Ask Aradne, ask Medea, for that matter, ask Zoe Nightshade. And Percy's like, what do you mean, ask Zoe? Can I just say, Kettle, you're black. Yeah, literally. He's freaking the pot calling the kettle black. (laughs) Yeah. But then, you know, Dionysus lets him go, and he's like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to go then. So, yeah, then they get to uh, New Jersey, and Percy's, and then Percy's, you know, listening in on the gas station, wherever they are, making their plans, and then they go to DC, and Bianca is the one who says... That's about 60 miles from here. Nico and I used to live there, but I've forgotten. That's strange. So, like, just the fact that her memories are cloudy and, like, kind of coming back slash kind of just come to her when it's mentioned, like, like maybe, like... Yeah, the memories you know, are triggered by specific yeah, events. Which is, like, like, oh. It's fun that she doesn't know where she's from because then it lets the reader go, If you, obviously if you've never read it before, it lets the reader go, fuck, why doesn't she know where she came from? Because it's not the first time that it's happened. It happened, you know, a few chapters ago as well. Where when she was like, we just ended up here. Yeah. But then also, when they were talking about the guy with the ram's horns, and Nico was like, I wasn't lying. And Bianca was like, I mean, like, I don't know. About, you know, when they first learnt about, you know, monsters and stuff. Yeah. The birds and the bees. Oh. Just kidding. I was going to say. The I'm... monsters and the trees. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when Percy sees, uh, when they get to 
Washington, and then they go inside the Smithsonian, which is the Air and Space Museum, and Percy's like, oh, I've been there before, and then he sees Dr. Thorne following them, and then he starts following them as well, but then, you know, once Dr. Thorne sees them go in there, then he goes elsewhere. When he's having that realisation about, and I said this before when you were doing your recap, when he had his realisation and goes, oh, if Dr. Thorne's alive, maybe Annabeth's alive, which means maybe my dreams are real. Yeah. I don't understand how he could ever have doubted that they were real. No. Like, and it just doesn't, it also just doesn't make sense, because... Like, are we not privy to a bunch of dreams that haven't been real of Percy's? We must be, sure. Because, I mean, the way that Rick uses them... But he always talks about how when he has these, like, the prophecy kind of dreams, or realistic kind of dreams, like, there's a different feel. He actually feels like he's there and present. Whereas when you have a dream dream, it's like like a floating mess. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the reason that Rick uses them, because he's obviously chosen to put this series in first person, and so he needs when he needs another perspective to tell the reader what else is going on outside of Percy's head, like, things that Percy can't necessarily see. He uses the dreams as a way to show that, and also a way to show Percy, but it's mostly to show the reader. And so, just having, you know, if he's got these feelings when he's inside dreams that are actually happening, has he not been getting those feelings, feelings in these last few? strong feelings. Like, it just, yeah, it's just a bit confusing. But then, so, he follows Dr. Thorne over into the, I think it's the National History Museum, and he's, you know, headed inside the pirate event. Excuse me, I mean private event. (laughs) (laughs) And we see Luke, and we see uh, Atlas, and we see a whole bunch of, you know, uh, just stand around kind of. Yeah, soldiers, that's the word I was looking for. Stand (laughs) Stand around. (laughs) Well, they all kind of feel very vacant to me, seeing as they're not contributing. So, yeah, we get... uh, they're making the little saber-toothed tigers first. <laughs> now, you know how I said before, they don't appear back in the series at all. Not true. Because one of them appears in House of Hades, and they name, they name him Small Bob, because he's, like, Bob's best friend. Which is funny, because if Atlas is the one that's made these... See, I thought you meant just in, like, the Olympian series. I knew he came back. Small Bob? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. You fully, okay. Yeah, so he comes back in House of Hades, but it's yeah. just funny because if Atlas is the one who's made these saber-toothed tigers grow, he's their pseudo-dad, right? Yeah. And Iapetus, a.k.a. Bob, is oh, he's Atlas's dad, Aww. so he and Small Bob are grandfather and grandchild, and I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> Bob it's and just Small fun. Bob. You know, he's cute as. So, yeah. And then we get into the actual teeth that are going into the soil. Atlas says that they are teeth of Sybaris, also called uh, Lamia in some myths. Basically, it was a giant beast who terrorised Delphi. Uh, it ate livestock and people and stuff. And uh, the people of the city consulted with the Oracle to see what they could do about it. And basically, the Oracle said, you got to sacrifice a young man and then basically he'll be fine after, like the town will be fine after that. Some people say that it was Apollo who said that instead of like, the actual Oracle. Either way, they got to sacrifice a boy. And the young man that they choose to sacrifice, his name is uh, Alcyonius. But in the town, in the city, there was a demigod of a river god whose name was Axios, and he was in love with uh, Alcyonius, and basically decided to take Alcyonius's place. And or Alcyonius might even be Alcyonius. Anyway, decided to take his place, and basically decided to wait for the beast to come to him, and then battled the beast and, like, threw it off a cliffside, and then as he was striking it when they were falling, like, he fell with it, as he was, like, killing it, 
as they were falling, he struck it against the rock face, and then, like, a fountain appeared, and then they built a city around that fountain and called the city, like, Sybaris. They named it after the dragon, or the, after the beast. Aww. And then the reason that people thought, like, there wasn't any evidence that she was a dragon, because it's a she, there wasn't any evidence she was a dragon at the time, but people just decided that she was a dragon or a serpent because of the other serpent that terrorised the area at the time, a.k.a. Python. <laughs> right. And they just decided that they were, like, man and wife. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the two, yeah, like, two halves of, two sides of the same coin, they just decided that they were both the same thing. Right, so connecting their two brain cells. Pretty <laughs> much. like, alright. Yeah, and so the teeth that they... The real teeth, the ones that they mistake for dragon's teeth, for uh, T-Rex teeth that they sew, uh, they make them into, they turn into Spartoi. So the Spartoi were a tribe of uh, warlike earthborn men, and they sprang fully grown and armed for battle. The first instance of them appearing in Greek myth is actually when Cadmus founded Thebes. So Cadmus is our one from Sea of Monsters who Rick decided was the sibling who stayed on the sheep when the sheep went away. The one right. that he the one that I was like, that's, that's wrong. Not the right that's person. not the right yeah. person. Completely the wrong story, yeah. Rick. So Cadmus was the first one to plant the Spartoi. And the reason is because the Oracle of Delphi told him to follow a cow until it stopped. And where <laughs> the cow stopped is where you need to make your city. And Cadmus went, okay, <laughs> so he did. Followed the cow, and when it stopped, he decided to sacrifice it, and he decided to use water from a nearby spring to help with the sacrifice, but there was a dragon who was guarding the spring, who was sacred of Ares, and basically Cadmus's men tried to slay the dragon. Instead, the dragon ate them, and then so Cadmus slayed the dragon. Ares is a sacred dragon, and was like, fuck. Anyway... Uh, for his bravery, Athena decided to give him half of the dragon's teeth to sew into the ground, and then told him that what sprung from those teeth would help him build his city. So then, a bunch of Spartoi sprung from the ground, and all his men had been eaten, so it was just him with the, all these Spartoi, and then he just got so frightened that he threw a rock in amongst all the Spartoi, and one turned to the other and went, did you just throw that at me? And then basically killed it, and then the next one was like, did you just throw that at me? And so they started killing each other until there was only five of them left, and it was a rock that killed them all that started it. So basically it's saying the only thing that can kill them is each other. Like, you know, and our... stupidity. Well, yeah. So, like, the only thing that can penetrate it is itself. Not a good enough reason to use word penetrate. But I'm thinking of... The uh, Incredibles. Yes, the robot from Incredibles. Thank you. I was thinking the beast, and I was like, it's not living. So that's the only thing that can kill it. Yeah. So there were only five that survived, and then those five eventually turned from being zombie-like men into real men, because then they became, like, the leaders of the five noble families of the city, and they had a whole bunch of children with mortal women. It was weird. So, yeah, there was that. And then, because Cadmus had originally slayed the dragon that was sacred to Ares, Ares was like, well, now you're going to be my personal bitch for eight years. And Cadmus was like, I mean, like, I guess. Like, I did do that. So, like, I'm sorry, but, like, that sounds fair enough. So, that was that. Then here's where Medea comes into the story, is because when Jason went to go and get the fleece... Athena had given the other half of the dragon teeth to Medea's father, who was, you know, in charge of the fleece. Yeah. And Aedes basically said, if you can 
slay the if you can sow slay. these if you can slow the this sow these dragon teeth and then slay what comes of it, then you can have the police. He didn't know what was going on, so Medea was like, This is how you sow them, this is how you grow them, this is how you kill them. And then Jason was like, Cool, yeah, I trust you, you seem like you know what's going on. So he sowed them and then when they sprang forth, he used the same trick Cadmus did that threw a rock at him, and then they just tore each other apart, and then he got the police and went home, or went, you know, elsewhere with the police. So, yeah. when Atlas is here saying, oh yeah, there's no uh, there's no weapon that they know of that can kill these can kill, like, mm. can kill these Spartoi, it's just so dumb, because it's just a rock and their own idiocy that kills them. <laughs> did, you, did you throw that at me? Like, oldest trick in the book. Like, yeah, no mortal weapon could kill them because they're not killed by swords or spears or whatever else. They'd just run them through, whereas they can tear each other apart because they're effective killing machines. It's just so dumb, and I love it so much. <laughs> but that's basically all that I've got for this chapter, and I think it's a really fun way to end. That just explains Greek mythology, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's fun. But, yeah. So it's a really fun spot to end to with them, you know, basically locking on target with Percy and going we gotta kill you <laughs> and Percy's like oh shit <laughs> and runs away which is typical Percy so that's awesome Joe. did you have anything else to say about these three chapters no sweet well I don't either so if you guys want to follow us on Instagram we are at damnsnackoutpod and if you want to email us we are damnsnackoutpod at outlook.com if you want to follow me on Insta, I'm joemd33, that's J-O-E-Y dot M-C-D-3-3. Feel free to chat if you want. On Instagram, I'm at Katie Mac, that's K-A-T-I-E-M-A-C-double-K. TikTok is Katie Mac, K-A-T-I-E dot M-A-C-triple-K. And Twitter and Tumblr, I'm at FishJesus, that's F-I-S-H-J-E-Z-U-S, and I would absolutely love you if you came and talked to me. That's so much fun. Yeah, it's her favourite thing, guys. <laughs> it literally is. I'll talk to anyone about this shit. This is so childish and I love it so much. <laughs> it's like, oh, Kate, what's your personality, Percy Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> what's your personality? Swim! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just fun stuff. So, I mean, we'll see you guys next week for episode 21. We're covering chapters 10 to 12 of The Titan's Curse and we get some fun stuff we get to learn a little bit more about hercules as well as percy which is super cool hell yes all right well we will see you guys next week have a good time guys okay. bye, bye. bye. <laughs>